Well, good morning. Glad to have you here with us. If this is your first time or whether you've been with us for a long time, glad to have you here with us this morning. That's the Alpha course and we've got it coming up um, in two weeks time. And so if you have a friend a family member or someone you've just met on the street, or perhaps you're tuning in and you are wanting to learn more about what is this Christian life all about, who is Jesus, then this is the course for you. And I'm going to be running it, and we're going to be running it on a Tuesday night, and if we have more, we can have an alternate night or as a Sunday afternoon. Um, But just for now, if you would like to be involved in it, or if you have someone you'd like to invite, just send us through a little message, and we're going to send through to you a a little uh, clip that you can forward on to your friends or for your family members and invite them to. I'm looking forward to being part of the next Alpha course. Love for people to discover the transforming power of Jesus in their lives. Well, I'd like to just pause right now for a moment as we head into this series of all cooped up and unmet expectations, particularly today. And I'd like to pray. And if prayer's new for you, it's a powerful communication with God. And so if you'd like to join with me, I'm just going to pray right now. Father God, I ask this morning as we pause and as we think about what it means to be all cooped up and the challenges and the stresses that we are facing wherever we are, I ask and pray that you might reach through to each one of us in our lounge rooms, our living rooms, wherever we're tuning in from, and that you might speak to us. God, I ask that you might open up our hearts and our minds so that we may discover what it means to walk more closely in the art of getting along with each other. And I ask that you might give us great insights. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder how you're going all cooped up at home. There's some of you I know who are going solo, and uh, you probably thought that was a good idea at the very beginning, and then you discovered, actually, what I'd like to do is actually now actually have other people around me. Whilst there's others of you who are going multiple, and uh, you're probably wishing you could go a little solo right now. Such is the mix of this time in which we are all cooped up together. In fact, it was a few weeks ago, I was standing right beside the coffee machine, and I got to thinking about expectations. You see, an expectation is a strong belief that something will happen. The challenge of expectations is that they're often unmet. And so as I was sitting there beside the coffee machine, I began to think about the various unmet expectations that I'd been experiencing as a result of being all cooped up. So what I did was I decided to go ahead and start taking photographs of all of the unmet expectations that I had been experiencing in my own home. Now, Before I show you any of these photographs, I just want you to know that I have already asked the family members if I'm allowed to do this. So I don't anticipate that when I get home that I'm going to actually have been voted out or off the island. So um, if I turn up at your place tonight with a pillow, it just means that um, I wasn't clear enough at the time and I need a place to stay. But for right now, I'm anticipating that I can head back home and that everything is smooth. So what I want you to do right now is uh, welcome into our world and my life right now as I've taken a few photographs of unmet expectations. Now, kids, if you're listening in right now, if you can pick what the unmet expectation is, I want you to shout it out, call it out before I say it. Okay, so here's the first one. I've got three. This is the first of three. This is the first unmet expectation in my home, in our chicken coop. Um, The unmet expectation is this. I expect that when the person who fills up the um, recycling bin over the lid 
they're the one who should go and place it in the larger recycling bin. Yeah, I don't think that's unreasonable. I think that's a fair expectation, but that's my first unmet expectation. I wonder if anyone can relate to that. Well, here's the second unmet expectation, and it's simply this. Can you call it out? Yep. You see, uh, there's a bowl here that has had breakfast cereal in it, and it's been finished, and the person who finished eating the bowl of cereal decided they would take it really close to the dishwasher. The only problem is I've never come across a dishwasher that can actually wash dishes outside of itself. And so the unmet expectation I have is that someone who has finished their breakfast cereal will rinse it out and not only place it upon the dishwasher, but they'll actually take the time to place it in the dishwasher. I don't know about you, but at our home, sometimes we go ahead to do that and we realize that if I'm going to put my dish in there, my dirty dish, I have to clean out all the clean dishes. And so as a result, people decide to then put it on top of the dishwasher and second unmet expectation. Okay, this third expectation or unmet expectation shouldn't even have to be spoken of. In fact, it's an unspoken rule across all homes in Australia. When you see it, you will agree with me and you will all sigh a collective sigh of angst and anxiety and frustration when you see this one. The third unmet expectation, and I'm afraid I have to show it to you, is simply this. This is what? This is the final piece of toilet tissue around the toilet roll, and it's been dwindled down to the very last ones, and the person who was there beforehand did not even think that they should take the roll off and replace it with a new one. Has anyone else had an unmet expectation of the toilet roll? But I need to tell you that there's even one thing even worse than this. If it could only ever get worse than this, it can. Because there is someone in our house, um, maybe there's two of them because it's happened not just once but just twice now as I've taken photographs of it as proof. There's a serial offender or there are serial offenders who actually think it's okay to do this. That's right. Not only have they used the last piece of toilet paper, but they haven't even got enough energy to take the old roll off while they place the new one on top. Can you believe this? This is a broken, unmet expectation across all Australian households, and it's happening in, house, in our household. And I just want you to know that this is an unmet expectation that there is no excuse for. I mean, what happens when the, the, the current roll on top has been finished, there's no place to put the extra rolls. So, of course, the, uh, the, the thing that you should do is take off the old roll, place the new one on, and those are my unmet expectations. See, the, the reality about unmet expectations is that they lead to disappointment, they lead to frustration, they lead to anger, and sometimes, yes, they even lead to depression. And so what I want to talk about this morning in the moments that we have available to us are four insights about how we can navigate our unmet expectations in a far more healthy manner. And then I want to talk about the heart of expectations. Four insights. And I've got some of these from Peter Scazzaro's um, uh, Emotionally Healthy uh, Spirituality. And if you want to track with a podcast this week, you can look at our weekly update because uh, they do a really terrific podcast that talks about this and unpacks these things in a far more deeper way. Okay, so here's four insights to how to alleviate or navigate unmet expectations. The first one is this. Expect expectations. You see, the problem with our unmet expectations is that we don't realize that we have expectations in the first place. 
We have them, but we're just unaware of them. This became very real to me in a conversation a number of weeks ago I had with a friend of mine. She was talking about an event that was taking place before the coronavirus hit, and she was looking forward to being part of that event. Well, she turned up to that event and she began to get frustrated. She began to get a little bit angry and she began to wonder why she was feeling these emotions. Well, when we got to talking about it, we realized that she had clearly some unmet expectations. You see, she expected the event to be run a particular way, but she didn't even know that she had those expectations. And so when she got there and they were unmet, she began to get really, really frustrated. Why? because she had expectations that she was simply unaware of. So what I'd like you to do right now, if you're those who have got uh, toilet roll paper, what I'd like you to do in keeping with the theme of this morning um, and that unspoken, broken rule across Australian households that should never be spoken and should never be broken, what I'd like you to do is, just where you're sitting right now, if every time you think of an unmet expectation of yours, what I'd like you to do is tear off a piece of toilet tissue, write down what that unmet expectation of yours is, and make a stack on one side. But then also, if you think, and if what comes to mind is someone else's unmet expectation of you, I want you to make a second stack. That is, I want you to tear off a piece and write down what someone else's unmet expectation is of you and I want you to make a second stack. We're going to come back to them at the end, okay? So whenever an unmet expectation is coming into your head, I want you to go ahead and write that down or an unmet expectation that you know someone else has of you, I want you to write that down as well. Okay, the first thing that we need to navigate, first insight into navigating our unmet expectations is firstly, expect that you have expectations. The second one is this, I want you to evaluate your expectations. You see, sometimes the expectations we have are simply unrealistic. That is, they don't match reality, nor are they a realistic expectation that we should have. Now, I know when the coronavirus hit and the, the physical distancing came in and our schools were shut down, there were many parents out there in their cooped up chicken coops who uh, felt a shudder of fear and trepidation. Not only didn't you want to be the, the school teacher, you weren't, but you didn't want to be the one who was organizing all the home. That was just another added extra duty. However, I estimate that there were probably some of you, some parents, who thought that this was a marvelous opportunity for a great learning moment for your kids. Some of you may have even thought that what you wanted to do was to turn your kids into literary giants. And so you took this as an opportunity to go ahead and reach onto your bookshelf and begin to pull out all the books that so inspired you when you were younger and begin to read it to them. Some of you may have even decided, what I want to do is I'm going to pull out some Dickens and we're going to read A Tale of Two Cities. And then once we've got through with Dickens, we're going to pull out some of my Shakespeare because I love Shakespeare. And I'm going to pull out Hamlet. We're going to read that to my kids and they're going to love it. And then once we've got through um, Shakespeare's Hamlet, then I'm going to pull out some Tolstoy. And we're going to read together War and Peace. And it's going to be a marvelous bonding time. I'm going to turn them into literary giants. And then after lunch, what we're going to do is I'm going to pull out some paint sets and we're going to do some oil painting together. And this will be a marvelous, perfect, wonderful time to take my kids to the next level. And then you realize that your expectations were probably unrealistic. I know that this happened with some families who decided that this was the opportunity for us to now have jigsaw time. 
And so some of you, some of your dads, some of you mums, you went out there and you got 10,000, 20,000 piece jigsaw sets and you thought, this is the moment that we are going to gather around the table together. We're going to sip hot chocolates. We're going to talk about deep, lasting, meaningful things in our lives and we're going to pull together a giant jigsaw. This jigsaw is just an expression of what's going to happen in our hearts and our minds. We're going to be bonded together. In fact, I know that some of you older people out there decided that the way in which we're going to bond our families together, because some of them have come from distances, it's like the family retake number two you can have, is that you decided to get board games. I know, board games, because you thought that that was going to bond you together. Probably even some of you decided that the best way to bond your family together at this time is to play Monopoly. And you discovered really quickly that there is a difference between an expectation and a dream. Because that wasn't a bonding experience at all. In fact, if anything, it began to tear you apart. And you discovered the second part of trying to navigate unmet expectations is that you need to have a realistic evaluation of them. In fact, there's two things you need to do when you're assessing the, the, the nature of your expectations is that sometimes you need to downgrade them and sometimes you need to upgrade them. What do I mean by that? Sometimes you need to lower your expectation. That is, you don't drop it, it just means you lower it, you downgrade it. And the second thing you need to do sometimes is you need to upgrade. That is, you need to decide that this expectation I have is clear enough, it's realistic, but it's out of my control. You might be thinking of a relationship, a school friend, a work situation, in which time and time again you've had expectations that are realistic but they are unmet. And they're a great source of frustration, anger, disappointment and sometimes, yes, even depression. But you recognize that this is out of your control and there's nothing that you can do. Sometimes recognizing what's in the scope of the sphere of my influence and what isn't is really helpful because it helps me, if you like, upgrade some of them. It doesn't mean you do away with them. It means that you say you put them up there on the shelf called hope, something that's out of your control that you wish it was different, but you realize there's nothing you can do about it. They've folded their arms, they've dug in their heels, they have a hard heart, and this expectation may never be met. In a spiritual sense, that's the moments in which we give things up and over to God and we say, this is in your realm to do something about. I haven't dropped it, but I've upgraded it to the place, that shelf called hope, because it's something that's out of my control. See, the third thing when it comes to meeting our unmet expectations is that we need to be able to express them. You see, the power of expressing our expectations is that we think that other people just automatically know what those expectations are. We want people to be mind readers. But because we haven't ever actually expressed them, the people don't actually know. I had a rude awakening in this, or at least Bron and I did when we were first married. We decided to do our first shop together at the supermarket and uh, it was probably, I don't know, maybe it was aisle five, everything began to fall apart. Everything was going swimmingly up to that moment. It was just this magical moment. We were filling the shopping cart with all different things and oh, it was just one of those lovely sort of, you know, experiences together as a couple. And then we came to aisle five and tinned fruit. 
I remember walking down that aisle and we both got the tin fruit together and we decided peaches. We wanted peaches. The newlyweds, we just wanted some peaches together. We could have ice cream and peaches for dessert. And uh, simultaneously, I reached high and she reached low. And we held the cans in front of us and we said, well, wait a second. Um, I reached high because the, the brand names are high. And she reached low because the no-name brands, well, they're low. And we looked at each other and we said, well, what are you doing? She said, well, the no-name brand's really just packaged from the same place that the brand names. We all know that. And so you're just basically paying more for the same thing. And then I looked at it and I said, wait a second. No, no, no. There's this tin can of fruit that, that's on top of the shelf, the branded one. Clearly, this is a better product because it's up high, it's on top, and it's got a brand name on it. In fact, the no-name brand doesn't taste very good at all. And right there in the middle of that shopping center in aisle five, we had a marriage incident. We began to express our unexpressed expectations right there in the public view. We eventually got out of the shopping centre, all fine, and I can't even remember which ones we actually bought. But what we discovered that day was that you need to express your expectations. You see, if they're unspoken, we're asking each other to be mind readers. In fact, one of the really good examples that Peter Scazzero gives, he goes, what I want you to do is play the, the mind guessing, the mind reading game. What is that? It goes something like this. When everything is simmered down, when everything is in a smooth space, you could say to the person next to you, would you mind if I play the, the mind reading game? They say, sure. You say, well, it goes like this. I'm thinking that you're thinking that when the bin gets filled up to that particular level, that you're expecting me to go and put it into the recycling bin. And then the person has an opportunity to come back and say, actually, I wasn't thinking that at all. I was thinking that when it's actually filled up, the person who's actually expecting it, to, to the person who's actually gone ahead and filled it up should be the one who goes and empties it. You see, if you play the mind-reading game in a neutral space, it gives you opportunity to be able to flesh out the things that are unspoken that can be spoken. A really powerful skill. The fourth insight I want to bring to you. So, so just before I jump there, so can we just make it clear? In case my household and any household doesn't know this across Australia, I just want you to know that this is my spoken expectation. This is no longer acceptable in any household in Australia. If you have finished off the last little toilet tissue, I'm expecting you to take it off to put the new one on and place the old roll in the bin. Have we got that clear? Just saying. Okay, here's the fourth one. The fourth one is a really important one, is that we need to move to the place of agreement. You see that you might evaluate, you might uh, speak or express what your expectations are. You might even become aware of what your expectations are, but unless they're agreed upon, they still remain ambiguous. I was playing a game of uh, golf with Jacob, well, chipping. We've got into chipping over the last number of weeks, um, and it just breaks up the day. So we head out onto the back lawn, and we chip towards the pin, and we just have a little competitive game with each other to break the course of the day. Well, last week, uh, Jacob and I were chicking, uh, chipping, and he said, um, Dad, it's my turn to cook tonight, so I'm just wondering if uh, we could have a little bit of a uh, competition here. I'll tell you what, if I win, you get to do my cooking tonight. And if I lose, I'll do your cooking later on in the week. Well, I was up for a challenge. So I said, sure. And then I lost. 
And uh, I was cooking that night. And so I said to Jacob, I tell you what, can we go double or nothing? Now be careful, when you go double or nothing, it can really hurt. So I said, can we go double or nothing? He said, okay, all right. I said, so if we play off again now, I, if I lose again, I'll do your dinner. I'll cook for you next week as well. But if I win, all bets are off. He said, sure. Well, in the next one, I happen to win. And he said to me afterwards, you know, I don't know why. Why did I go for a double or nothing? You see, the point of a double or nothing or the point of actually being able to agree upon something is that you can't argue with it. It moves from the realm of being ambiguous to now being accountable. That's exactly what happened with Jacob and I. See, he couldn't argue with it because he'd agreed to it. You see, sometimes what we need to do is not only speak what our expectations are, what we also need to do is we, we need to go ahead and we need to agree upon them. If you haven't moved to agreement, they're still up and they're ambiguous. Four insights to how to navigate unmet expectations. And now I want to talk about the heart of things. So if you have a Bible there, what I want you to do is grab it, turn to Philippians chapter 2. It's going to finish off with a powerful passage that represents the heart of all of these unmet expectations. Philippians chapter 2. So if you go to the middle, just turn to the right. And this is what it says. So in Philippians chapter 2, the writer here is a person by the name of Paul. He's writing to some believers and followers of Jesus that are in a Roman colony, an outpost in Philippi, which is a place in modern-day Turkey. And he's writing to them in prison because they're experiencing some pressures. They're experiencing some tensions inwardly because of the pressures they're experiencing in the community on the outward side. You see, these followers of Jesus in Philippi are proclaiming that Jesus is the true Lord and King and Son of God. And they're living in a colonial outpost in which Caesar or emperor worship is taking place. And whenever they go to a certain public event, Caesar worship and, if you like, honoring Caesar as being Lord and King and Son of God is a public event. And because they're having to retreat from some of that, there's tensions, there's pressure that's building up in their chicken coop. And this is what Paul writes to them whilst he is in prison. He says this, So, if our shared life in the king brings you any comfort, if love still has the power to make you cheerful, if we really do have a partnership in the spirit, he goes on and says this, If your hearts are at all moved with affection and sympathy, then make my joy complete. Bring your thinking into line with one another. You see, the picture I have here is of Paul. He's doing a great symphony. He's like a conductor. And he's trying to get all the instruments, the wind instruments and the string instruments and the, and the, the percussion instruments to all play together. And he's appealing to their common experience of Jesus. He says, if you've experienced his love, if you've experienced him, if you've shared in anything about him that's in common and together, if your hearts are united, then what I want you to do is I want you to make my joy complete. I want you to be united and to be as one. And you can. And then he presses on and he says this, here's how you do it. I want you to hold on to the same love. I want you to bring your innermost lives into harmony, that, that idea of the orchestra conductor and his trying to sing over them a tune and bring them in together and have them working and relating and listening to one another. Bring your innermost lives into harmony and fix your minds on the same object. 
Now, he doesn't describe what that object is, but we're going to discover in a moment it's a person behind the love that he's been describing. And then he pauses for a minute, he steps to the side and he says, let me put it to you like this. Never act out of selfish ambition or vain conceit or vanity. Instead, regard everybody else as your superior. Look after each other's best interests, not only your own. See, I remember running an Alpha course and someone had committed their life to following Jesus and a few weeks after that they said, you know what, Troy, I've discovered that my shopping habits have changed now that I've come to know Jesus. I said, what do you mean your shopping habits have changed? They said, well, the reality is now is that I'm discovering that I have this newfound patience. Now when I'm lining up in the queue, I used to um, get so frustrated with the checkout and who was going first and who would push in. Now I'm finding myself saying, hey, you first, you first. Now if I was at the back of the line, I'd probably get a little bit frustrated myself and say, well, can we just get on with this myself? But what she was describing was, The power of a transformed heart and mind wasn't that she didn't have the capacity for patience before. It's just that she'd experienced the powerful love of Jesus, changing her attitude and her heart from the inside out. Well, Paul steps back and he says this. This is how you should think about this amongst yourselves. With the mind that you already have, because you belong to that, my word here inserted, same Messiah, Same King, same Jesus. See, when someone comes to know Jesus, they, if you like, not only experience his love, but his spirit's poured into their life. And he says, you have his same mind. You have the same mind as the king and the boss and the leader that you say that you follow. And he breaks out into this sort of hymn-like words that goes something like this. Let me tell you about this king. Let me tell you about your boss. Let me tell you about your leader. Who, though he was in God's form, his very identity, his very likeness of the same substance, he did not regard his quality with God as something he ought to exploit. But rather, he says, instead, Jesus emptied himself and received the form of a slave. That is, by being born in the likeness of human flesh. And then having become in human appearance, he humbled himself even more so and became obedient even to death. What kind of death? Even the most profoundly disturbing and shameful death. That is the death on a cross. You see, what Paul appeals to the people who are living in Philippi who are all cooped up feeling, experiencing the stress and the pressure, he's saying, I want you to carry on the same lives together because of the same Jesus that you've encountered because his love has been poured into you. His mind has infiltrated yours and I want you to set hold of it. I want you to fix your mind on him. Look at his example. Look at who he is. Look at what he's done for you. You see, Jesus, this this hymn describes Jesus, the one who was high and the, the one who was lofty and the one who was immortal became mortal for you. The one who was God and took on flesh and dwelt among us died for you. And when people turned to him and spat on him and and when he was stripped naked and shamed and beaten up, he says he did it for you. You see, he reached high and came low so that he could lift us high to be with him together. And Paul saying to that group of followers, That's the same heart and the same mind that I want you to have towards one another. Think about other people as being just as important or more important than yourself. Not so that you're a doormat, but in your heart and wanting to elevate them. He says, then when you do that, it shifts 
everything. And the source of it and the power of it comes from a person, not a concept. The heart of the matter is Jesus. So one of you here this morning and you've made your two stacks. You've got your two piles. In a moment, we're going to listen to a song and it's a beautiful song. It's a powerful song that creates a space for us to think and to open up and to reflect. But I wonder if the, the stack on your left is much taller than the stack on your right. You see, the stack on, well, it's my left, <laughs> is the one that represents my unmet expectations. You see, it's so easy for us to write down our own unmet expectations rather than think about the other person's unmet expectations. So what I want you to do is take this stack and hold it before you and open up your heart and your mind and you say, Jesus, if you want to talk to something about me, about my attitude, about my heart, about my love this week and if there's an unmet expectation of someone else that's realistic, that's been spoken, we've become aware of, that I've agreed to, I'm just digging my heels in, crossing my arms, well, would you help me? Because if he did that for you, why is it so hard for you to do something else for someone else? And the hardest place to do it is in our homes. Because when we're familiar with people, we take them for granted. So I want you to bring other people's unmet expectations of you towards Jesus and ask him to speak to you. And by the way, you have his heart and mind so you can fix your mind on that, on him this week. And the elephant, well, if you've been building an elephant, <laughs> there's a phrase we have, name the elephant in the room. What I want you to do, kids, is place that element, uh, elephant <laughs> in, a, a, in a place within the home that everyone can see, that when you walk past it, it's going to remind you of those four key ideas when it comes to navigating unmet expectations in a healthy way. And the elephant in the room is going to help remind you what's the thing that we need to remind ourselves of? What's the unspoken elephant in the room that we need to address, not sweep under the carpet? That'll cause you as a prompt. That'll cause you to reflect. And I hope it will lead you to the heart of the matter which is the power source for doing the four insights in the first place. So why don't you have a listen to this song right now? Why don't you posture yourselves? Open up your hearts and minds just where you are. And I dare you, say, Jesus, would you speak to me and give me your loving kindness?